It's going to start recording because, you know, we are both set up in our respective areas, which are not exactly uh, where we thought we were going to be. But no, we I are. cannot snuggle with the dog while watching Star Trek. You know, this is a travesty right now. I'm like, so sorry. Nothing, nothing is working. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like we're living on a city on the edge of forever, of forever. stuck in an infinite loop, right? Of like time. I, I started out this morning sitting at this place yeah. at 6.30 this morning working. Yeah. Now it's at an undisclosed time from an undisclosed location outside of Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. And I am still at the same chair talking to you working on things this is great i'm having a lot of fun here i was excited because i was gonna watch it on my my big gaming tv in the gaming room and uh i can't do it because the the app we're using doesn't allow it so um i'm i'm sitting in a nice comfortable chair looking at a delicious television that i can't use (laughs) well greg what are we watching well, we are going to watch episode 28 of season one, Star Trek, the original series. Episode 28? Yes. How do you get to 28 episodes? Well, they're written and produced and put on by CBS. That was brilliant. Um, that's, a, that's a great point. And do you know where you can watch Star Trek, the where? original series? On everything. I, uh, I You can watch it on, on Amazon Prime, on Paramount, on Netflix, Netflix, on... I assume Hulu, too. I mean, I, I just probably literally everywhere. If you can't find Star Trek, you are in some serious trouble. Yeah, you're you're stuck in an infinite time loop on the, on the in a city on the edge of tomorrow, which I, doesn't... I assume it's on Spike TV with I, wrestling. I was surprised. I don't think it's on TV. And the man but, show. You know. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Maybe. Well, it was on and then it was like, well, Next Generation would move to like every new channel. Like it was on like Spike TV and then it was on like BBC America had it. I was like, OK, I guess yeah. that makes sense. I would think yeah. BBC America would play like, you know, British shows yeah. that they were coming here. But no, they played Star Trek The Next Generation. It made sense. It, it made sense. total sense. I mean, this is, this is what I watch BBC for. I'm not trying to get Doctor Who or anything. No, I'm sure. trying to get like uh, more Star Trek. Red Dwarf. It's cold outside. There's no yeah. kind of atmosphere. It's true. Yeah. So. Or the IT crowd. Oh, but that's yeah. not on BBC. That's on Channel 4. So Channel 4. I've already messed that up. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff on British TV, which this but we're not, not talking we're about talk. that today. Yeah, we're not here to talk about no, that today. We are no, we're talking. We're not talking about Red Dwarf. That was a parody of Star Trek. No, 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 no. Ah, oh, such a good show. I so many so many days spent at home sick or playing sick watching those Red Dwarf tapes off PD, off PBS. Yes. Anyways, yeah. and so thank you, JJ Penman, for starting me on Red Dwarf. Ah, so you good. had no idea. Uh, so now we're back in. Uh, by the way, just as a side note, before we get started, I want everybody out there to know that JJ Penman is a real life train conductor. Yes, he has the job everybody wanted when they were three. He gets the hat. He has the suspender or the the overalls. I think so. I mean, if he wants them, I, I don't think 
you tell you pretty much like if JJ wants to do something, I don't think people really argue with him. No, you don't. <laughs> he just he tells you what to do. Right. Like he will beat you in the argument, but also he will just move you out of the way or just tell you what to do. I think he's picked me up once or twice. and I'm a pretty formidable person myself. And oh, he once said, uh, I mean, I tended to have a little bit of a mouth when I was younger and somebody wanted to punch me and I wanted to punch them back. And instead of letting me do that, he just moved me. Oh, geez. Like literally just lifted me up and moved me. He said, no, no not today. <laughs> yeah, it's not today. I mean, kind of like, you know, Beckwith in the last few comic book issues would just move Spock out of the way or out move of the way. Kirk out of the way when he wanted to go <laughs> murder people. Right. Yeah. And so remember Beckwith, like he went back in time. So, yeah, yeah. we're back on the Harlan Ellison script, see on the edge of forever, except it's not the Harlan Ellison, Ellison script anymore. What? Uh, yep. It's now the Hugo Award winning television script uh, with inspired by Harlan Ellison and That's... rewritten by the Star Trek writing clue. I think maybe DC Fontana. Okay. And uh, definitely a little bit of the man himself. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into this. I mean, right. uh, what, what are we expecting? Are you expecting to be exactly the same? I'm excited. Oh, you know, I mean, I, if I hadn't seen it already, um, as as a youngster, I, I I would totally my expectations after reading this would be yeah this is going to be exactly the same but um, I, I have I, I I have an understanding you have an understanding well this is my favorite original series episode and my favorite original series not episode based on what we just read oh, so, so I'm good. pretty excited to get started so what do we say three two one press play it is played oh my oh yes it's there ncc-1701 uh, and yeah this is fun because i and here we go there's a lot of things happening right now. Oh my gosh, yes. So much so much that's happening. The the volume on my on, on my computer was so loud. It was just klaxons. There's a lot of shaking going on. Oh no. <laughs> Sulu. Sulu. I don't remember this happening. Where are the drugs? I, I don't see him yet. There's that guy that looks like he was on drugs, though. Yeah. At the helm. That's interesting. Is that Beckwith? Oh, no. Oh, the, no. no. The guy that got the crystals. Yeah, yeah. Got the crystals. The crystal guy. Crystal guy. Oh, man. Oh. oh bones. Bones. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got to help Sulu. That's true. I don't remember seeing bones for a while. Celo looks hurt, man. Yeah, he does. Oh, he had a fire explode on him. George Takei should not be treated like this. No, not at all. It's treasure. He is a national treasure. Oh, he's fine. That's good. He's Miracles okay. of modern medicine. He looks very happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, medical comment. Yeah. We got some banter. Yeah. Boy saves the day. What is Scotty doing on the bridge? 
Well, I mean, he's everywhere and anywhere he needs to be. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, we got another shake. Whoa! Oh, no! no. What happened? He's, he That's... got himself with the thing. No, the doctor's down. Now, now we've got a medical issue. <laughs> yeah, I guess. There was a lot of stroke. Well, what was in there? Oh. Oh, gosh. He looks very sweaty. Overdose. Murderers, assassins. He's he's freaking <laughs> out. Oh, I don't know. Whatever he took, though, he he's screaming. Murderers, killers, it, and the, Bones the, is now all, all powerful at yeah, his he, slight one hundred and thirty-five pounds. The last time I saw, yeah, the last time I saw somebody freak out like that was at Evergreen. <laughs> what did they have? Did they have bad granola? Yeah, bad granola. <laughs> it was a bad batch of granola, man. <laughs> oh wow! And we're into the intro. Oh yeah. I, there, there's something about this intro. When I was a kid, I knew like when this show came on, the intro was kicking off. Oh, there's just something really important here going well, on. Yeah, because like I mean, the music would kick in. And there's something about that music and it's just, it is kind of timeless when you think so about relaxing. it. It's relaxing. It is. It's that cool, jazzy, spacey feel, you know? I like, love oh, how I love how the ship would come by as they were, you know, listing the folks in the show, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, here it is, the title, The City on the Edge of Forever. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we've had some time issues here. Mm-hmm. A hundred times the Whoa. amount of cortisone you need. That that's too many. <laughs> I would like some cortisone for my knee today. I would be okay. Well, he had cortisone. That's slightly different, man. Okay, I'm They're not sure what cortisone oh, he is. Looking the look on his face is like he is he is a determined man. <laughs> He's looking. All of a sudden, he went from... Oh, what? Yeah, he, he just raving, like, come back to chop. He was a raving, crazy person a couple minutes ago. And yeah, now he's, he's composed. He's chopping people, and he's very composed. Like, he oh. now knows how to use the transporter. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it heightened his awareness and his senses. He he hit that guy, like, in all the pressure points. Kaka kaka. Yeah, it was just very interesting that... that... Okay, now they're confirming it's paranoia. Okay. Oh. okay. Spock just explained everything. Okay. So he's wanting to escape at all costs. McCoy. Mortal danger. Yep. McCoy's getting away. He's he's beaming himself somewhere. Okay. <gasps> this is a time disturbance on the planet. Okay. And McCoy is in the heart of it. We're identifying a lot. So, you know, it's yeah. interesting because you said that other script is really long. And we just went through like the entire first comic book, I think, in in, in like uh, three minutes here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because we're here. Like, yeah. We're at, yeah. Less than five minutes. Ta, 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 ta. OK, and that's everything. So we've got three red shirts, but one of them is Scotty. So, yeah. Well, I guess technically Uhura, too. So. Mm hmm. And then we've got an obelisk. Oh. Those are hard to make. Did we see a city on the horizon? 
N- not quite. He just just some lights. It, he just said there was one, right? It, it looked like it had the okay. appearance of, but not quite. It's just a an, the runes. It looks like an obelisk. Yeah, it looks like an obelisk. Then they just tossed around some old sets from Ben Hur. Yeah, and just broken. They went to the back lot. They grabbed some. Are those Corinthian columns? Yeah, Corinthian columns. I, I I really don't know my columns well. Well, I mean, they're definitely. It's very fitting. I mean, I know we're recording it, and no one else knows when this you know when this gets put out. But well, I mean, they could have pressed play when we said press yeah, play. Yeah, they could have pressed play. But I was going to say, no, no, no. Uh, the uh, yesterday was the Ides of March oh. at Brute. <laughs> That's fair. I was not thinking about the Ides of March, but Spock's now explaining everything about this obelisk. He says it shouldn't exist, and it's got a whole bunch of time energy. Yeah. And time travel, nothing ever goes wrong with time travel. No, nothing at all. Oh, there he is again. <laughs> he just popping up everywhere. Yeah, what is he? <laughs> he's, he's kind of speckly. Yeah. He's just kind of running around in the background. Well, he's got to sneak around. Ooh, a question. Okay, so now we're talking to the obelisk. This is Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. I have awaited. It doesn't sound like you. It doesn't. I have awaited the question. I I love the question. Like, that's one of my favorite comic characters. None of that, Dan. None of that. He's both a machine and a bean. I am both a machine and a bean. <laughs> I do think it's cool the way he's talking, though. I'm okay with and that. And the lights. Think about that. I mean, technology-wise, when they're making this, to it's have okay. to you know, put all the lights in there to make that work. The Christmas it's not LED lights. lights. <laughs> like they some cool some kid Christmas playing lights. Fortnite. They just put some Christmas lights in a plastic obelisk from a set. Oh. I'm going to make one of these for my living room now. I would endorse this behavior. You think I could do that in the, in the dining room area, which we play games in? Yeah. Can I come and talk to it? Yeah. And I'll just, I'll sit on the, I'll sit on the other side with this (laughs) megaphone. Your question. (laughs) And we'll put the smoke machine up. (laughs) It'll just be a smoke machine that just like pours down. Oh, that's this cool. This is cool. So we've got uh, Egypt here. Egypt. Okay. So looking. Oh man, the I've obelisk. seen this movie before. Oh, and then hey. Kurt Russell's on the other side of it. Nah. <laughs> oh man, don't go in there. Murderers, assassins. Oh. Okay, here comes McCoy. What is going on? So we're looking at time. Assassins. He'll kill him. He's he's ah yeah. oh, ah. Oh, they're uh, they're trying McCoy, to hold him back. McCoy. He's is, got three uh, red shirts. Spock oh. with a pinch. Spock him takes down. him down. This is very different. Yeah, so very different. took out everybody in he, the other story. He took but everybody out. Like McCoy gets just taken down like right away. Boom. Spock just wipes him out. Oh, Kirk. Could we somehow? No. You can't just jump through a time hole and okay, relive so, the day. So the goal is not to use medicine to save the day yeah the goal is to go back in time (laughs) by a day let's to prevent dr mccoy from injecting himself with the cortisine okay 
I could sort of see why Harlan Ellison would have been annoyed by that little plot point there. Yeah. Because I mean, the the whole idea is not to not to tweak time to go back to fix something that could be fixed. It it, it there's no sense of yeah. like the where where's the where's the real payoff, right? <laughs> uh oh. McCoy's back again. Oh, he's running. He's going for it. Oh, look at that. Boom. Wait, wait, oh. Right in. He dove into the time stream. Okay. Yep. He's lost to it. Well, we're done now. Yeah, they are. Like, what? Root. What was? These are the most incompetent guards. Oh, man. They lost contact with the ship. Things are Things are messed up. Uhura has one job, communicate with the ship. Well, she was doing it until it disappeared. And now it's gone. I just want to say Nichelle Nichols is like one of the greatest people ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. All Everything that they knew is gone. Was gone? <laughs> yeah. All that you knew was gone. Is sort gone. Of, I can't mess up time that much. <laughs> McCoy. <laughs> Apparently McCoy went crazy. Okay. Yeah. No past, no future, no present. Her earrings are pretty sweet. That color. They are. That was cool too, because I like how Uhura just looked up and said, I'm frightened, like acknowledges the state of things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though, too, how in the comic it was like an empowerment piece yeah for for yeoman rand and uhura is sort of just sitting here in the background in this story with the red shirts it does look like she's leading scotty though they do have her position in front of him yeah but they're just kind of silent in the background she definitely does have that feel of being more in charge of those those three yahoos. But definitely not like leading people in a fight against others in an alternative yeah. ship. Not, not holding down against the marauders or whoever. <laughs> what were they? The ravagers? No. Yeah. The ravagers. I know sure. that wasn't their name, but, you know, the Warriors. The Outsiders. They're fighting the Warriors. <laughs> warriors. Oh. Warriors. Clink, clink, clink. If I only had some bottles in here, I cleaned the, I cleaned the game room. Be a miracle. So her, uh, so Scotty interrupts <laughs> her to mansplain. That's yeah. nice of him. I, I, hey, man, it was it was totally it was it was totally okay back then. It was never okay. Never it was okay, totally Scotty. Okay back then. <laughs> it is interesting to watch older TV shows and see that kind of stuff, and you're like, man. <laughs> Well, then she just mansplained for Scotty, so. Yeah. That's. Okay, so what do we got? Uh, looks like. Was that Truman? Great Depression. <laughs> yeah, it. No, it was not Truman. Oh, uh, Roosevelt? <laughs> yep. 
Oh. Okay, we're here. So we got in the background Madison yeah. Square Garden right yep. there. Okay. And now we look like we're on a Wild West set. So we went to the back lot and we've got yeah. a bank and a bird trash barrel. Yeah. Okay. That trash barrel would never have been made back then. <laughs> Quite barbaric. Okay, so he's identified the depression as barbaric, which is very different than the original story, right? Where they're, it was they're the being people. looked at by these women, but they're chased, and he calls them barbarians, right? Yeah. Uh, killer Kid is boxing. Yeah. Uh, Will Bailey, Gus well, Barnes, and Ricky Mason, but I don't see who they're fighting. In this, he Spock actually says he's going to be the one that's difficult to explain to people and hard to hard to hide in this time where Kirk in the book makes the comment that he's going to be noticed and will have to downplay his image. They almost get hit by a car on screen. What's that? <laughs> This is a very interesting approach that they take at the start too, because they they take away the the xenophobia, right, and yeah. eliminate it from the story, mm -hmm. and they sort of immediately put them as people out of time, right? Just funny dressed people. Yeah, we, we just don't know what's going on. We're gonna walk in front of cars. We're gonna go steal yeah. clothing. Yeah, Kirk being always so. Uh, what, what do you want to say that he he's a he's an engineer of uh, he's a social engineer, if you will. And we get <laughs> the clever Kirk music in the background mm -hmm. whenever he's doing something clever or funny. Okay, yeah, getting those clothes. Okay, so they've stolen clothes. And they steal clothes and run right into a police officer. Yep. I believe they just ran into Chris Hemsworth. Kind of looks like him. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So that means he just ran into his dad. <laughs> so wow. his dad is a police officer. Oh, is it Chris Hemsworth or uh, Chris Pine? Chris Pine. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yes. Who what? played George Kirk? In the Chris Pine movie. What? Oh, oh my god. 10 gosh. minutes of the scene. I. Whoa. Oh, put the clothes down. You're in, you're in deep trouble, mister. Uh oh. Spock with a pinch. Wow. These police are not the New York police of today. No, not we at all. We did have maybe a little bit of stop and frisk there, but then... Uh, then it was uh, a pinch and run. Yeah. <laughs> really, a pinch and pinch, because they pinched the clothes, and then he pinched his neck, and now they're running. Well, you know, those Vulcan grips are powerful. They are. Okay, so we're passing the 21st Street mission here. Okay. Yeah. And they're headed down some stairs. I remember okay. this part. Yeah, down the stairs, into the okay. basement. Oh, hey. Looks There's just like the basement. And things. Okay, Cobbler. so they made it to a basement. They ran away with their clothes, but this is very different. They're running away from the police instead yeah. of a mob of people. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like they're the ones causing this disruption as opposed to just the inherent hatred of people. Yeah. 
And remember, I'm I'm saying this because we just want, you know, read the other story, but I yeah. I love this episode. I don't want anybody to think any different. At times you seem so human. <laughs> you gotta love the dialogue people speak english in outer mongolia captain yeah a certain time mm. i'm glad to know that the english dialect doesn't change over time yeah. And it's used all over space. Mm-hmm. It is good. They're snappy dressers for, for their stolen clothes off the, the drying rack. <laughs> That's interesting. What? The computer aid and the vacuum tube culture line? Yeah, I mean, the line's pretty similar, but it's like... Kirk insults him into it. You know, in the original story, Kirk destroys the tricorder, right? Oh, yeah. And in this case, he manipulates Spock into doing what he wants. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, we just destroyed about eight subplots. Yeah. And here's Joan Collins. Hey. So they're below the mission, I assume, right? Yeah, I, I'm assuming so. Okay. For these clothes, we stole them. Didn't have any money. Well, there's a woman. Yeah. And she has a large sun-looking brooch. None of that matters in this story, Dan. None of that matters. I know. <laughs> they didn't really tell them what they had to do, right? No. Nope. They just said something you had to prevent something, right? She's giving him a job. 10 cents a day. It's, it's so funny to, to watch how this, like how everything is so compressed. Yeah. (laughs) It's extremely compressed. Like we yeah. don't we don't have any context for why Edith Keeler would just appear in the story, right? Yeah, she did. well, she runs the mission, Dan. That's why. Yeah, it's just very different from the original story. Like I can see why Ellison again would have been frustrated by the changes, right? Because mm-hmm. he spent so much time setting up finding Edith Keeler, and you know, gives you that tension about the relationship immediately, and. This is different because, you know, if you follow the series, right, you know, Kirk is a womanizer and it's said in the Ellison story. But here we simply get like we think Kirk's just being a womanizer, right? Yeah. Like he's just staring down the pretty girl. Yeah, he's he's making short talk with her and or small talk and he's trying to, you know, charm his way. Oh, Got to listen to Goody Two Shoes. She's a she's a lady with a mission on a mission. Oh, Kirk is 
he wants to hear what she has to say. Kirk's being very defensive when the the man was being vulgar. Mm-hmm. It's interesting here, too, because in the original story, she's set up as somebody who's followed by everyone, right? People yeah. come to the corner to listen to her. And the very first commentary we get in this story is somebody being dismissive and bored and criticizing her and just making Edith a sex object. Yeah. Right. Just pointing out no. that she's she's nice to look at. But right. You know, what's the what, what else does she have to offer except for food and and that and a boring message? Yeah. But we didn't get this in the original script at all. No. We had a, a very strong leader. Yeah, it was almost like her message was secondary. It was just that she was a very powerful leader, right? Mm-hmm. Like she existed and she had a message, but they didn't really dive into that message here. They get immediately into the message. Yeah. We get into the message in this story, but we lose all the strong female uh, figures. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, it, 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 what's, I can definitely see where Ellison, if he, if he wrote very strong, uh, character arcs for these, these women and then lost them to this because they wanted to push the story. Oh, it I can think be choosing done. Yeoman Rand was empowering a character, right? That hadn't yeah. been empowered before. And now, right? totally cut out of I mean you never saw her it's almost like she didn't exist because she wasn't there yeah well and then Edith invites Kirk to her apartment Apartment? building building yeah they're sort of starting flirting which is fine I'm okay with this piece of the story Mm -hmm. I think the other piece of the two that was disempowering is is she wasn't really leading the mission. I mean, she was, but she was also back in the kitchen serving people. Yeah. yeah. Which is a little different than the other uh, script we're looking at too. Definitely. Where she was, yeah, she was definitely the, the figurehead of it as a, and, and doing all the different stuff and, and running the show here. She's just kind of like the marm. Though she does make, did make dinner for Kirk later in the comic book story, right? And and had the angel food cake. So there was that piece, but. But that was more of a, that was por- more part of the, the romanticness and the, I guess, like the domestic portion of them in the relationship. Right. Uh, as they showed the relationship progress. Yeah. That makes sense. Spock has got the doctor, uh, <laughs> the. It's very Doc Brown <laughs> rebuilding the <laughs> time machine in Back to the Future 3, trying to fix his tricorder. This is... <laughs> Stone <laughs> knives and bear skins. <laughs> Spock. Kirk for being a captain of a starship seems fairly ignorant to technology in this episode. Yeah, you would think. I mean, but then again, you know, cream rises to the top. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening right now? 
What? <laughs> Kirk wanted to make a sandwich. Wow, that was phallic. <laughs> <laughs> they they only made bread like that, you know, in giant loaves, and he was just holding it. That baloney, yeah, and the baloney had a first name. <laughs> wow. Stone eyes and bear skins. It's a good line. I love the beanie cap that Spock has to wear. I have one of those. It's a, they're comfortable. <laughs> Dockyard cap. Oh, I thought that. Yeah. Well, I thought they were there going to be fixing something, but it was somebody else fixing clocks. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, they're just the cleanup guys. That's kind of interesting. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the scene here. Mm-hmm. And Spock's looking at the fine tools and the clock making and mm-hmm. the clock making kit. And this is very reminiscent of Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Just like, I wonder if there was some inspiration there. Maybe, possibly. Uh-oh. That combination lock didn't look 1930s. No, it looked like a gym lock locker, like a locker yeah. lock. <laughs> it reminded me very much of junior high. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was very interesting. Well, not everything can be period, I guess. Yeah, this is true. So Spock borrowed the tools and Edith caught him. Oh, he is busted, but... Kirk's pouring on the charm. Uh oh, she's got questions. Questions? Oh, she what? is really good at playing this character. Yeah. It's almost like she's a very good actress. Yeah, I paused for a minute watching. I know this is a good uh, podcast for everybody, but I was watching uh, Edith's dialogue, right? John Collins deliver this and peel apart their relationship. Yeah. Just kind of like looking into what, who and how Spock and Kirk work together and why they're always together. When she points out the captain thing, and it's almost like, too, she's trying to separate them so she can start the relationship with Kirk. Mm-hmm. Identifying that Kirk's worried about his friend and won't hang out with her. Okay, yeah. Now they're holding hands, walking down the street. It's progressed quickly. Yeah. Is that for rent for three bucks? Man, that's a good deal. Must be in downtown Seattle. Oh. Back to Floyd's Barbershop. Yeah. That's neat. They serve together. Were they in the war together? Because it makes sense. I like her hat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This is really interesting how fast the relationship progresses and, and how oh. much she's prying into it, right? Oh, uh, yeah. The Spock-Kirk relationship, which... And I guess maybe they had to do this just to move the story along quicker, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they only have 50 minutes to crank the story out. So in a 300 page script, 
to trim up. It's almost interesting to how much power she holds in the relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's not threat based power. It's intelligence based power. Right. And yeah, Kirk is not used to this. Because like this- Yeah. He's usually the, the one that engages, you know, starts the, I guess the engagement of whatever with any of the, the ladies that he's talking to. Oh, Oh, now we have the uh, time scopes back on and it says social worker killed Edith, Edith Keeler with her picture. Spock. And then stuff starts Got going down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Spock's making some adjustments here. He's learning some of the history and the past. Man, he's got a lot of oh, A lot tubes. of light bulbs going on. Yeah. Oh, wait, those are vacuum tubes, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Where did they get vacuum tubes? Oh, you know radios. Uh, these buildings weren't made for the internet, that's for sure. Yeah, no. That's... So if each one of those went into a radio, and he's got probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten... And then there's another 10 behind him, 20. Well, the really cool thing here is when he starts mining Bitcoin with these, he's going to be very rich later. Oh, he will be. Ooh, what? What? It's the... I don't remember the, the president and Edith Keeler. I don't remember the Edith Keeler, oh. uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt mashup. From the from the book, you didn't read that chapter. <laughs> no, that wasn't didn't seem to be in the original story at all. No, not at all. But it was in the timeline that we're from. Don't you Supposedly. don't you remember history books? That's just weird how that just blew up, and I felt like I was smelling burning wires. Huh. Right. That's some good. That was a good cinematography there. Yeah. There's two options. There's two. There's two futures. Two futures. One where somebody we've never heard of starts meeting with the president and another where they die. What will happen? They both can't be true. Yeah. Like. Kirk is wooden here. This is interesting. He is paralyzed by this. Well, I mean, he this he's found the woman he is starting to fall in love with. <laughs> Oof. McCoy. Random element. We don't know which McCoy but she has to die. He's going to either be the killer or the preventer of death. They do move the story through quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spock's already getting to the question. Yeah. Yeah. To set things straight. And we discover Edith Keeler must die. And all we just get is a pan out on Kirk. So we don't get the big argument that we got in the original script. We do get a little bit of the effect, right? Of that look. Oh, yeah. There was definitely, well, I, I think, you know, the way that they did that, that, that cut. 
to the milkman. They definitely cut down on the violence in the script too, mm-hmm. right? You don't have Beckwith like going around shooting people. We don't have a bunch of people shooting each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that they kind of had to do that for standards. We definitely and have stuff a man like stealing some milk here. Hey, and Uh-oh. there's Dr. McCoy. He just popped in time. He just popped. Assassins, murderers. Uh-uh. He's freaking hey, here out. He goes. He's very red still. He's yeah. very blotchy. Oh, oh he's cause dude that. Up. Is that a side effect? Is the it red blotches be. on the skin? What time is this? <laughs> that guy with the milk, he is. He is. He's about to get. Yeah. He's, <laughs> not, oh, he dropped the milk. <laughs> there it goes on Man, the ground. No well, if I was staying in an alley and I saw somebody dude just appear show, yelling just appear. murderers and assassins, I might. Drop the milk too. Oh, here we go. Yeah, they're Edith and and Kirk are back together again. He's looking dapper. He's looking dapper in his flannel. He's well, he is dressed for a Northwest, you know, a mid nineties, early nineties Northwest party. Yeah, he is. I would say mid nineties. This is more of the evergreen flavor, honestly, right than the Definitely. original early. Yeah, it just would have been a flannel with some like cut up jeans or sweats down below. Now he's got a jacket on. That's definitely dressed up. That's a that's a wedding. That's like a the the Tootle Washington prom right there. We're that, ready to yes. go. One hundred percent. Oh, that scared me. Actually, that was a good jump scare. Yeah. I like I do like how they're cutting yeah from the the relationship <laughs> to, to Kirk run, or to us McCoy running around trying to find out things. Where are we? Earth. Oh, ah. He is he's such a just a heated man right now. Oh. I think he's going to take this guy's clothes. I did sort of like how Beckwith was just this villain that mm-hmm. was sort of unnamed, right? Like we yeah. knew he did bad things and and he just kept doing bad things. Yeah. It's very different where McCoy is sort of like rediscovering his humanity here and Yeah. As the drugs work through the system. I thought he was incurable though, right? Wasn't that the Yeah. He's just on okay. another level. But he's it's like when you're you're on some really good drugs and you're just like got to touch everything and you're everything's making so much sense but you don't know what what the reality is. It's very nice that he wears his uh, wedding ring um, on yeah. set. Oh my gosh! It's now, also interesting. Now. He was talking about concrete columns while holding a big metal pole. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, uh, that didn't go well. He's crashing. This dude doesn't know what to do. You okay, buddy? Wow. What's that? This guy is all over McCoy. He's knocked out. Cool. He's a thief, man. I found a thing. I'm going to take it. Uh oh. McCoy is down. What What could possibly go wrong here? He still has a phaser. Yeah. Nothing could go wrong, right? I mean, phaser in time. What's this guy? What's this do? Whoa. Oh, that's you set it to maximum. That's that's not such a good idea. Uh oh. Well, he 
just evaporated himself. Oh, that was great. Well, and the phaser. Well, so much Whoops. for the thief to get for stealing. Yeah, that's what you get, buddy. Don't, don't take steal things in that aren't Oh, that's man, some danger right there. My God, look at that they, light right there. Jeez. That light? Oh, that's hooking up his thing. Yeah. Yeah, but they changed He's time. running all of his power out of that one light socket. Well, they only got the one. But that light socket is not dying. Well, you got to remember, uh, they're probably not using 210 at the time, so. <laughs> that's that's one stout light socket. You mean Definitely 110? don't want to put your finger in there. <laughs> Ooh. Fused and burned circuits. He's got to know. So Kirk has now sent Spock on this whole mission just to discover if his girlfriend is going to live or die. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Okay. We've got some folks sleeping in a doorway. Mm-hmm. At Walt's restaurant, photographer, barbershop. He's out of business. People are going back to the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Koi is looking, he's looking haggard. His face is just, I mean, he, he looks bad. Apparently only men, um, walk the streets in this century. Yeah. And Edith Keeler. I need a cup of coffee. He can't let them find him. She takes him off to the back room. And Spock oh. writes, walks right in after her. So Spock's serving the coffee now. Well, that's it, it was it was one of those moments. They could have they, they crossed paths, but they missed like two ships in the night. And only because Edith is such a great person. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Late 1930s pacifist movement. Okay, so this is interesting. So there was a peace movement in the U.S. and it allowed the Germans to complete the nuclear bomb before we did. Uh huh. Okay. Interesting. And that was all caused by Edith, a peace movement. A it pe- was all <laughs> caused by. Are we sure who caused it? I. Oh, Edith. Okay, here we go. He just said. Edith Keeler founded a peace movement that destroyed the world. Yeah. That's fascinating, especially at the time this was shot, right? Because we're in the middle of a peace movement. Yeah. So is this a dig then at At anti-Vietnam protesters or is it just a thing to make us think? Just maybe a think, a think piece at the time, probably like. Because you think about it, too, there's no mention of this in the Ellison script, right, that we read. No, not at all. And so there's no implication. Like they don't explicitly say what she does to change the time stream, right? They just say she's an important piece. And that's a big discussion in this, in the story, right? Is what is an important piece? Cause the soul, yeah. the uh, old soldier from world war one. Yeah. From Verdun or Verdun dry, dies. And yeah. that wasn't enough to change things, but she was important enough. And here, they're firmly establishing in the storyline that she must die to stop peace. Because so we can go to World strong. War Two and murder people. Uh, you know, it's this is a very different story, right? Oh, yeah, totally. A hundred percent. It's 
very, very different. But she's still wearing the sun brooch. Mm -hmm. So that didn't go away. No. But they never mention it. Talk about it. No, not at all. Uh, Where am I? McCoy is so good. I, yeah. I just it, the character's good. I do like as a substitute. I'm okay with this substitution to a point, mm-hmm. but again, it's it just creates a very different story because now I'm feeling empathy for him for being stabbed right at the beginning with the drugs. Yeah. Whereas in the original story, drugs were bad, mm-hmm. right? And here, it's just an accident. Yeah, it's just a. I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist. He's lucid enough to know his his job. I'm a surgeon, not a psychologist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says his name and position, which doesn't make him look crazy at all. No, not at all. (laughs) It's not a Navy uniform. Because he thinks he doesn't believe in her because he thinks he is dreaming. Well, it's an interesting scene, yeah, because he's paranoid and thinks he's dreaming, and she thinks he's very strange wearing the uniform and talking about the USS Enterprise outside of a Navy uniform. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a nice little scene. Like well, I, I appreciate I don't the think, character development there. I, I don't think the actual USS Enterprise was um, built and um, put into service well, until well after oh the stair the staircase scene she almost fell down the stairs yeah but the interesting thing there is in the original script she falls all the way down the stairs right yeah oh the and kiss. crashes hard spock is totally spurned because he i don't think he wanted her to die necessarily right then but he <laughs> Well, again, I think they do play this part of the scene out, though. We talked about in the other episodes how he goes native, right, to mm-hmm. an extent, right? That was Spock's line in the in the original script. Yeah. Not my line, to be clear. Spock's yeah. line in the original script. Yeah. And it's easier for Kirk to assimilate into the culture where if you're Spock and you're from another culture, it's going to be difficult to assimilate. So right. Should Kirk, you know, take the love choice and doom his friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And then which reality is real. And we're getting into the discussion right now. And Spock says, you know, you have to make the right choice. And Kirk just leaves him. There's not a big argument. And he just walks away. Just leaves him right there. Completely refusing to engage in the discussion. An evening paper. Dr. McCoy is healing up. All the red blotches are gone. Looks like mm-hmm. the cortisine is out of the system. He's trying to figure it out. Edith Still doesn't is, believe. 
And Edith continues to interact with with McCoy too. Mm-hmm. She's not pushing him off, like or you know, calling the authorities or anything for him. She wants well, to I help. I think we're She's getting genuine. the goodness of Keeler too, instead yeah. of her right interacting with the large crowds. We're getting to the insight into what makes her tick, why she would do the things she does. Yeah, how she finds the good she in people. Is. And she's almost like seems a religious, but she was kind of carrying a Bible earlier, Mm -hmm. but they more sort of sort of combine religious philosophy for her. Yeah. And sort of peace philosophy. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently James T. Kirk is taking her to a Clark Gable movie, but she identifies him as her young man is taking her to a Clark Gable movie. Uh, Yes. Well, here they're headed out of the mission, and there's Kirk and Edith, and and mm-hmm. they're headed out, and Spock is headed away from them. <laughs> Almost got hit by a car. Kirk still hasn't figured out cars yet. Um, nope. <laughs> oh, she mentions McCoy. And there goes Kirk. To take care of McCoy, okay? Tells Edith to stay there. Edith has no idea what's going on. I'm not sure how she would react. And she starts wandering aimlessly out into the street. Edith. And and then, okay, and that's interesting. So McCoy goes to save her, and Kirk gives him a bear hug. And holds him back. Oh, you deliberately stopped me. And the interesting twist, right? Because now it's McCoy chastising him, right? Yeah. For what happened. Yeah. And I love the anguish on his face because I do mm-hmm. think uh, Shatner plays as well. Oh, yeah. With the look and McCoy asks Spock if he knows what he did. And he says, yeah, he knows. He knows. I do like. I do like the similarity there in the story. Mm-hmm. I think that they hold that part of the story well and they jump out together. And only a moment ago, the three of them come out together, which, you know, is the piece of the series too, right? It's always Mm -hmm. surrounds those three characters. So it doesn't make sense that they would go on the adventure together in the rewrite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's resumed. And Kirk's just not talking. No. He's got that thousand yard stare. Yep. Well, it's kind of interesting too. It's almost like, I love reading history, right? Because you can dig into history and you find these, these characters that people don't know a lot about, but were very influential in history. And it's almost like they picked a story at a time, but instead of like just reading about it, he had to live it. Right. And so, yeah, he has this, let's get the hell out of here reaction. I would, I would guess that saying let's get the hell out of here was pretty strong language on television at the time. Yeah. And now we get the credits written by Harlan Ellison, which is interesting. Yeah. And executive producer Gene Roddenberry. So maybe they agar- acknowledge Harlan Ellison, but definitely a lot of rewriting there. And maybe that's probably why he disliked this episode so much. <laughs> I just wonder, too, right? Uh, there's Joan Collins guest star, DeForest Kelly, obviously, mm-hmm. and everybody else. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, when you're watching this. I wonder how much of it 
I wonder how much influence he actually had, right? That's and we a great can't question. Now. Yeah. But he obviously sued them because he sued them for rights for uh, uh, for the rights or the money from anything produced from this episode, right? Yeah. And a Desi Lu production, which always impresses me that <laughs> that the Desi Ardez Lucy Yule Ball Company helped produce Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. I can't think of anything more different than I love Lucy and, and Star Trek, the original series. Yeah, but she was such a proponent for the show and she was such a she she believed in the, the vision that Gene had, you know. And that future, right? Yeah. And, and, and the way to explore issues. And I, I do. I think this is one of my favorites because even with the cheesy sets and it's very clear, they went to the back lot uh, and grabbed some old. <laughs> Roman columns and yeah. they went to a backlot s- standard city set, right? And and filmed it. It's powerful dialogue, a powerful story, and you leave kind of feeling like Captain Kirk, right? It's not like a normal Star Trek episode where you leave happy. No. Like they solve the riddle, but you don't leave the episode feeling good. No, you don't. You feel you you you're left with a uh the anguish that both Captain Kirk and McCoy have, you know, uh, they, they both have that, the, like they're both dealing with it, dealing with that moment on, on two different levels, because I think, you know, Kirk obviously found love and, and had to watch his love die. And, McCoy, he, he found a friend. He was, he was finding a friend at that moment, you know, and he was like, I can't believe you just did this. Yeah. And I, so you may not be aware, but Star Trek discovery recently brought back the guardians of forever. Oh my goodness. And I was not very happy with the way they dealt with it. And the reason I was not happy with the way they dealt with it is because they took one of the characters, Emperor Philippa, um, Emperor uh, Philippa Giorgio. And when Giorgio went through, she relived her own life. Ah, and I didn't like that because the whole point of this was to step out of your own life, right? and, And live something else, right? You right. know, the, the, the idea that time would change. And instead they had her changing her own timeline. Mm. And there's a little bit more to it because you've got some mirror universe stuff going on. And so there, there's a little bit more to it, but I didn't like it as much uh, when it was that, right. I liked the notion that somebody would go and live, meet something else. We'd find a little chunk of history that, wasn't real, right? But was real, but wasn't real. And then you're finding out this piece and then to sort of go back and live your own time. I yeah. just didn't like that as much. It kind of, yeah. Cause it's like, you already know what to fix or what you can't fix if it's your own timeline. Right. Or even, even pointing out the futility of trying to fix your own timeline, right? Like there may be a futility there or, but it just, it wasn't the same. It didn't have the same feel 
to this. And I, I like the lessons you learn maybe from going outside of your own life, right? Instead of this idea of living your own life. I just didn't like the approach. Yeah. And so I instantly went back and watched this episode and said, well, I like this one better because <laughs> that's my Star Trek and this is the new Star Trek and I'm not going to like it as much. Fair, fair enough. Because that's how I have to be. You know, that's that's what it. Yeah. But the episode, if you want to dig into Discovery, it's called Terra Firma. There's two parts. And the the interesting thing was, too, it's in the third season, I think. Is that what we're on? Yeah. Season three, episode nine and ten. And I think the interesting part there, too, is they got to do it for two episodes, which I would have loved to see this happen for two episodes. Oh, yeah. No, this would have been a great two episode piece where um, they they go through all the motions and then get there. And it's it leaves on a cliffhanger of like, oh, my gosh, what are we? We're stuck. What are we going to do? How are we going to how are we going to find McCoy? And then the next episode is them going through the rest of the motions and Spock's building this giant, you know, like tube device and everything like that. And there's more, uh, I guess, more of the meat that that we got in the in the actual book itself, which was good to read and fun to go through. Uh, there was so much. I, I really, I really would have liked to see our our soldier character. Yeah. Or something right to set up, uh, something, something in that sacri- that, that duality, right. Mm-hmm. Of, of who could be sacrificed, who's yeah. important and who's not important. And just even that notion of discussion of importance, right. Of, of, uh, you know, attacking people's notion of their own self-importance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because it, 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 it leaves you to, to really ponder those questions and to kind of wonder like, and, and also just think about like Spock asked the question in the book, like, you know, why would he, why would he sacrifice himself? Why would he do that for you? And it kind of leads to, to why people do things later in the, in the story as well. You know, like why yeah. would, why would Beckwith do that? if he didn't know her and he, you know, as you're drawn to think you, you do things because you're drawn to it. Some people run away from the fire. Some people run into it. Well, and we even get here, the looks between Kirk and Spock, but I think a, a longer play would have watched their relationship deteriorate mm-hmm. as, as this moved forward. And it just kind of leaves. They jump through the thing together. You know, I almost would have thought it would have been even more interesting from a, if I was going to shoot this all over again, after looking at the original script, yeah. I would have had Kirk come through first or last. Yeah. And McCoy and Spock come through together. Or come in at separate, like each of them coming out of it separately. Yeah. With different expressions. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Spock. Spock should be overjoyed that he's back. Right. He's back. McCoy. Like it would be interesting. So Spock comes in first and comes out first and he's, he's like overjoyed that he's back. McCoy comes through second and he's just got this look of like, just kind of like melancholy and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's almost like what happened, you know? And then, and then Kirk comes through and you're like, and he's just, hundred yards or a thousand yards stare. Like, yeah. let's go. 
<laughs> and it's just, uh, you know, just that makes a very different ending to the story. I still like the ending. I still yeah. love how the looks. I, I do think Shatner does a great job with his facial expressions at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just adding hell in language at the time was a nice touch there, right? Yeah. Let's get the hell. Is it, let's get the hell out of here. Something to that effect, right? Yeah, and, and so had a bite to it. I, I think uh, one of the things like you're saying, like about just stretching it out too, um, and having more of that that character, those character beats, and those moments uh, from the, the teleplay put into the actual uh, episode that was aired. Having the humanization of Spock as you're starting to see that the human side or the more the, those moments where he is, he's looking around and he's seeing how the time is and how people are and their actions and how he's either going to react or not react. And the choices that he makes as he's going through those moments, I, I felt like there was so much, in the story when we're reading the comic itself uh, that were missed opportunities in the episode. And it just, it's not, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I'm just saying that I, I felt like there just could have been a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And it could. And it's interesting too, when you see the original script contrasted with this story, right? Because I really love this episode. I think it's it's one of the better episodes of the original series, if not the best. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite, so you can judge me for however you want, oh, but it's my a- very favorite episode. And when you're looking at it now and comparing it to what we could do in another medium, we're, we're just asking for more, even though we still think it's good. Mm-hmm. It's definitely we are we are those. Uh, oh my gosh, this is this is the Snyder Cut moment. We are asking for more. <laughs> we were asking for the Snyder Cut. So are we saying we liked the Snyder Cut better? I think we did. I think I, I think when it comes down to brass tacks, I mean we we definitely there was a lot of moments from the the comic that were were so good and so strong. Uh, if you married the two together and you got a great amalgamation of the two uh, on the screen, it, I think it would hit harder. I think you're right. If this was two actual episodes and we got a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, I know we can't have everything, but if we had just a, just a titch more here and there and, and even having Rand in there, Sorry, dogs. I'll keep going. You're on your you're on your roll. I'll have the dogs in the background. Yeah, I know. If we had if we had those moments with Yeoman Rand at the beginning and stuff like that, uh, with the landing party, uh, and and some of that, some of those moments, I I just think that it just would have given the viewer so much more to 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 ponder. Well, and more depth, right? Yeah, maybe maybe the time just was, maybe people just weren't ready for it. And the only, if I recall, the only women walking around on the street were those first couple of women that looked at them strangely when they they appeared, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the only other person, the only other woman you saw was was Edith herself. 
and that was just sort of weird the way that that played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't say weird. It does highlight her as extremely powerful, and there is a level of empowerment. And if you think about you know in the in the Great Depression, in the early '30s. Uh, you think of, you know, who's the most, at least according to history books, right? So we'll emphasize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the most powerful woman at that time period? I don't know. Tell me, Dan. Oh, I just figured you out. Eleanor Roosevelt, right? Oh. So you do disagree? you disagree? No, I don't. Do you think she was uh, an analog then for? I don't think she was an analog for Eleanor Roosevelt at all. <laughs> I, wasn't I felt sure like this is a very different character, but I'm just thinking like, you know, there just wasn't, there didn't seem to be a lot of placement, but maybe not the analog. So she's not married to Franklin Roosevelt, right? But maybe the analog is like, she is the woman that takes the place of Eleanor Roosevelt. Ah, okay. From the perspective of advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. She becomes almost so powerful. She becomes the most powerful woman in the United States. And presumably the most powerful person, right? Because her movement overcomes the president. And we get a little bit of a hint of that. So, you know, it's not just becoming the most powerful woman, but it's becoming the most powerful person in the United States. That makes sense. And, you know, if I was really getting into critique mode, not that we would do this here, but if I was really critiquing, I might say that, they might have been implying that if a woman got powerful enough to spread that message that the United States would fall. Oh, I could see where you're going with that in the sense of the alternate history timeline. Yeah. If I was really digging into the critique, I, you know, I, and again, I don't think that was author's intent, but I could easily see how that could be read into the story. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be really careful when we're writing, right? Because mm-hmm. you you have to you know make sure that you're not implying that, right? Because yeah. and that's and that's maybe we're not balancing uh, the story out with other strong female characters could lead you to believe that though, right? When right. we have Rand in the other story, I'm not thinking about that. Of course, we don't have this peace movement thing that's created, right? We just have a powerful character who's influential that's murdered, and we we don't or dies. Right. And we don't really mm-hmm. know what their, their future would have held. Uh, but in yep. this case with, with not really strong, other strong female characters, right. I don't see the outgrowth, right. I don't see like a powerful yeoman Rand holding off an army of people. Right. Yeah. You don't get that. And so I don't get any sort of balance to this. And so the only time I see a, a powerful female character is somebody whose belief system corrupts supposedly others right this mm-hmm. piece you know uh, corrupts them with peace and then <laughs> weird concept yeah and then you know we lose the war because if we don't have a powerful male at the helm leading us into war which is traditionally a very masculine action mm-hmm. then we die very interesting so if i was putting on my critique hat i could easily <laughs> critique it that way and, and 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 argue that and i think there's a pretty strong argument for that and the change mm-hmm. in the story yeah okay i'm following it well we've critiqued the heck out of this one and yeah. uh, or the hell out of this one <laughs> so is it now to, time to get the hell out of here? It may be time to get the hell out of here, but I, I think, you know, great story, important notes. And I think, it, again, too, when we critique things, 
we're critiquing them for a reason. We want to open your eyes up to different plot lines, different story pieces, different types of storytelling. But also, I think it's important to critique what we've seen, right? And Mm -hmm. what we enjoy. Because if you're not doing that, you're not really thinking about the media that you're consuming and engaging in. And if you're not thinking about it, well, that basically allows others to program your brain. And I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. No, and Spock's to... brain is a really bad episode of the original series. <laughs> Do you want to watch that one next? No, <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Was it was it done as a comic book? Uh, Greg, there's just I, there's not enough uh, herbal substance in the house for me to watch that tonight. OK. Fair enough. <laughs> so we're, we're just not going to go there. I mean, we could go for another hour, but. I would definitely need some sort of, of supplement to, no, to help I, me get through that episode. I, I have to, I, 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 I can't as well. <laughs> well. You can't for a lot of reasons, but uh, with that said, uh, we've talked about a lot. And so you got you know, five issues of a great, you know, oh, retelling five. of a Harlan Ellis script in three episodes or three yeah. previous episodes. Yeah. And here you go with the watch along. So, Hopefully you pressed play when we did and watched along with us and got to dig into it. And even if you were listening in the car or somewhere else, we hope you enjoyed the analysis here on Funny Book Forensics. And Greg, where can they learn about the show? You can learn about the show at Spoilerverse. You can learn about the show on Twitter at Funny Book Forensics. That is, oh man. <laughs> wow, up. you did the greatest outro ever. You can learn about us where, Greg? On Twitter. And you said it and on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. And messed, Instagram? Yeah, Facebook, Funny Instagram. Funny Book 4N6, yes. right? Yeah, those are the places. That's the places, right. And the mothership would be so proud of us right now because we nailed that one. I totally nailed it, dude. Thanks, mothership. And, and what other shows could we see on the network? Oh, uh, on the network, you can you can find Narrative Gunslingers, uh, as well as uh, Nerds from the Crypt, uh, Shooting the Sith. Um, you could use the spoiler verse itself. Uh, you could find uh, um, what I can't, I can't think of the other. Well, all of 20. those other great there's, shows. There's, that, 20, you know, there's 20, 20 shows on the. There's content feels, everywhere. It we have like all sorts of great things. adding yeah. new ones every month. We've got Spoiler Country. They just celebrated a big anniversary on, on yeah. episodes. Yeah. And some really great stuff. Of course, I listen to Spoiler Country for the great interviews with comic book creators. But you all may listen to it for their, all of their interviews with different sci-fi actors uh, and, and fantasy and superhero actors. And writers from all over the place. So it's it's neat that there's a little bit of something for everybody. So we encourage you to listen. And I just want to let you know that we would never make you watch the Snyder Cut. In fact, we prefer the Harlan Ellison Cut. That's right. But if you do choose to watch the Snyder Cut, remember, Darkseid's a better villain than Steppenwolf. <laughs> Not- Steppenwolf's a great band, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was listening to some the other day and I just couldn't stop. I just like, I flipped that bad oil pee right over, scratches and all. And you know what? 185 grams still plays. Still, see, and there you go. And and that's really what we're looking for. So that takes us out of here on Funny Book Forensics. But thank you for listening. All of our one listeners, we appreciate you. If you are our one listener, go ahead and tweet us and we will respond. Yeah. Because actually, Greg will respond. But and, the most important thing there is we've got one listener and 
engage us. Tell us what you're looking for. Tell us what you want next. If you liked an episode like this where Dan and I watch something and talk about it, tell us if you like it because it's, this was an experiment for us. But there are other things that were made, other books that were made into things to be watched. And uh, it would be interesting to read those things and then watch those things if you like this kind of thing. So tell us if you like this kind of thing. We'll do that kind of thing because that's what we do. We do the thing for you because we care. Well, and the thing for us because we, you know, talk about stuff we like. But, you know, oh, besides yeah. that, <laughs> we'll just keep making it fun because really, fans, it's all about you. I was trying to bring it back to them, but you wanted to just tell them that we only did it because we like to do the things that we like to do. But I wanted to tell them that Well, we, that's the most fun of it, though. We can do things that we like to do that you true. also like to do that we like yeah. to do because we just like to talk about things that we like to talk about. And it's, it's fun. It's, and you can talk. We true. can talk. Everybody can talk. And it's all good. That's true. So our one listener out there, please let us know what you think. And we will oblige you. So darn tootin'. Listen to the spoiler. Listen to spoiler country. Uh, get into the spoiler verse. And thank you for listening to our show. Uh, this was one more fine episode of Funny Book Forensics with the best intro ever. Well, maybe not, but definitely the best outro ever. So thank you for joining us. And we're signing off. Signing off. Questions. Questions.